today, I'm 177 days sober. And next Sunday, I will celebrate my six-month alcohol-free milestone. When I quit drinking, I wasn't in danger of losing my job or my family or any of the other tragic consequences that we often associate with substance use disorder. Instead, it was the realization, the waking up to the fact that my one or two glasses of wine every so often had turned into two glasses every night, and then four, and then sometimes even six. I tried to give up alcohol for Lent last year, but I kept finding reasons to celebrate feast days and take a break from my discipline. I was worried because I had tried to give myself rules and boundaries, and I could not manage to keep them. And it was definitely affecting my relationship with my husband and my kids and with God. And it was getting in the way of who I am created to be and what God calls me to do. Today is the first Sunday of Lent. If Ash Wednesday slipped past you in the busyness of the week, maybe today you're taking the opportunity to think about your Lenten discipline. Or you've made it through the first couple of days and you're wondering how you're going to last the rest of this Lenten season. Together we're standing at a threshold, a liminal space, a time where we might be able to just make out the future through the fog, but the fullness of it is still obscured. And into that fog, we hear the story of Jesus' baptism and temptation. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Word of God, word of life. Now, since it's Lent, you're maybe thinking that we're going to focus on the temptations of Jesus in the wilderness and you're going to get all the gory details about how tempted I was those first few weeks uh, by the wine sitting in the wine cabinet. But in Mark, the details are limited, and so are the details I'm going to give you. But I will share a little bit more later on. We could always add in the details from the other Gospels, right? And then we could talk about how we're all better uh, we all could be better at resisting temptation. I could give you a few tips and tricks that I've learned uh, about how to be like Jesus and avoid temptation. And good luck with your Lenten practice. But I think that gets it all wrong. My internet colleague, Rev Lizzie, as she goes by, posted this explanation of Lent that I appreciated. She said, Lent is a season of repentance 
or metanoia in Greek. Metanoia does not mean shame or pain or self-flagellation, beating ourselves up for the choices we've made. It literally means turn around. So Lent is a time to turn from that which we do to oppress, harm, or ignore our neighbors. Lent is also a time to remember our mortality. It is not a time to hustle for our worthiness or diet our way into belovedness or fix something fundamentally broken. It is a time to remember exactly how loved we are as a mortal, as a mortal being capable of harm. It is a deep and powerful miracle. I hope that's That is as much good news for you as it was for me. This is why we hear about Jesus' baptism again before we hear about Jesus' temptation. When Jesus is baptized, God rips apart the heavens. The Spirit descends and enters into Jesus, and we hear that declaration that Jesus is God's beloved child. And it is only after this that Jesus is compelled out into the wilderness. And Jesus survives in the wilderness because of God's promise and God's spirit that is present, that empowers Jesus to resist temptation. And so we are in this liminal space, the space between, on the edge of something new, taking a risk perhaps, taking up the opportunity to turn around, to turn around from those behaviors that oppress and hurt our neighbors and ourselves, to return to who God made us to be, to remember our status as beloved and to be equipped with the Holy Spirit and the strength to survive the wilderness that awaits us. Our Lenten refrain for this week is again and again, God meets us. And I think we can all make a list of those times where we were at the very end of our rope. We had come to the end of ourselves over one thing or another. We didn't know what was going to happen next, and God met us in that place. The day that I signed up for the group 21-day alcohol-free challenge, I was standing on one of those edges. And I was scared. I was scared about what I didn't know. I was scared that I would fail. I was scared about facing all those things that I was trying to drown out with the wine. And it turns out that those things had learned how to swim, which is why I wanted more and more. But as I talked with my small group, As I did the daily journaling, as I rode the waves of those cravings, I discovered just how close God was. Even when I thought that I was the only one experiencing this, the only one feeling this way. And it is that closeness that then has enabled me not only to share this with you, but share this with others and become of service to others in the recovery community. This is the common thread in Jesus' baptism and temptation. 
God's closeness. In pivotal moments, God is extraordinarily present with Jesus and those around him. We see this all through the scriptures. And Caroline Lewis writes that this is where our promise lies. Not necessarily that we have the power to defend and deflect temptation. Not that we are capable of taking on Satan in the wilderness all on our own. Not so much that our baptism is a guarantee that will shore up the walls to keep out all that which seeks to threaten our belief, our trust, and our relationship with God. It's that now, all battles with evil, with that which tempts us. The game is changed because God is present. We're not asked to do this on our own. And that can be a major misinterpretation of why we give things up for Lent, right? We give them up to prove how good we are or how strong we are or that we can push through on willpower. But that's not the point of Lent. Not to achieve a weight loss or uh, meet a fitness goal or uh, some other self-improvement strategy all on our own. It is to draw us back to God, to remind us where our strength truly lies, and into the embrace of forgiveness and trust that God gives. The Holy Spirit enters Jesus at his baptism, just like the Holy Spirit enters us at our baptisms. And that particular presence of God is what empowers Jesus to overcome the temptations of the desert. And because we too are baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we have that same access to the presence of God. Just like Jesus, God meets us at the waters of baptism and claims us. God meets us at that liminal space of the water's edge at the threshold of something new and names us beloved. God meets us in the midst of our reluctance and our doubt, our eagerness and our weariness, and proclaims that we are good and loved. Again and again, God meets us where we are. But God doesn't leave us there. We shift from sinking sand to solid ground from navel-gazing to community, from personal pietism to justice for all, and away from behaviors both personal and systematic that frustrate God's vision for the world. As I've grown over these past six months, as I've learned over these past six months, I've learned that it might not be my fault but it is my responsibility to take care of what I did during my addiction. It's not my fault that I was addicted, but it is my responsibility to do something about it, and I can with God's help. And then it moves me into caring for others suffering in that same way wanting to drown things out. Maybe it's not with alcohol, but with other things. Scrolling on Facebook, binge-watching TV, um, 
all sorts of things we can use to drown out what we don't want to face. If that's the case for you and you want some extra support, let me know. I'm happy to talk with you and to walk with you on this journey. Whether it's big or little, the door to my office and my email is always open. And as we think about what edge we're standing on today, what leap we're getting ready to make, I wonder what it would look like for us to claim this blessing for ourselves and then practice in to living the blessing of belovedness each day of Lent. What are you being moved to turn away from so that you can live into the life that God is calling you to for yourself and for your neighbors? How might seeing ourselves as beloved transform how we see others in our life and in our community? What edge are you standing at today? And how is God meeting you there? As we cross with Christ into the landscape of Lent and into the mystery that lies ahead of us, I offer this blessing from Jan Richardson. May we know at least this about ourselves, that our name too is Beloved. If you would enter into the wilderness, do not begin without a blessing. Do not leave without hearing who you are. Beloved, named by the one who has traveled this path before you. Do not go without letting it echo in your ears. And if you find it is hard to let it into your heart, do not despair. That is what this journey is for. I cannot promise that this blessing will free you from danger, from fear, from hunger or thirst, from the scorching of sun or the fall of night. But I can tell you on this path there will be help. I can tell you that on this way there will be rest. I can tell you that you will know the strange graces that come to our aid only on a road such as this, that fly to meet us bearing comfort and strength, that come alongside us for no other cause than to lean themselves toward our ear and with their curious insistence whisper our name. Beloved, beloved, beloved. Amen.